Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I think hearing Morning Wani always is instructive. I come from a school now, going back to Jimmy, that we never hired anybody unless one of the inner circle personally worked with this guy. We always did everything together. No outsiders ever. Jimmy's the boss. But I'll just say this. You get your rear end in there and you play the way you know how to play. Now that's it. That's all I gotta say. Frankly, I'm depressed and ashamed. And I think Dave is the consigliere, right? He's the number two. You know me. Yeah, I'm more behind the scenes. All I ever wanted was to carve out a little piece enjoy some grandkids. I love working with you guys and the score to be up here in Chicago with my grandkid. Tony Wise is spider, right? Well, no, I no. Mean... Tony Wise, I think he might be like the enforcer. The enforcer. Like... The, go, <laughs> the go-get-stuff-done guy. Yeah. The NCAA calls up both ex-FBI guys and they say we want to talk to Tony Wise. And they have a lawyer. And our attorney, who's still my attorney, Nick Christian. So what do I owe you, counselor? You'll pay me when I actually have to do something. Let's hope that day never comes, right? So North Turner a captain. North Turner's a captain. North Turner, one of the better offensive play callers in football. Making you a captain. Butch Davis. It was Jimmy, myself, Tony, Butch Davis. No more Butchie. No more of this. Who's Whitey? <laughs> yeah. Seems to be involved in every crime in the city. Maybe Whitey isn't so squeaky clean. Artie Bucco, like his friend who's like, he's definitely like made money off of Dave. Joey DeBono's coming down here from Tofano's restaurant up there in Chicago. Joey's a member. Look, let's just we'll wipe my tab at the restaurant. Texans are saying that Jerry Jones is Uncle Junior. Like he deserves the respect and he once was the boss. Oh but yeah. But every, everybody knows he's losing it. The bottom line is I heard bells. I'll tell you what, you go upstairs, you look for your teeth. I'm gonna fix you something to eat. I had a banana in there. This is our best work here. Tony Wise was down there with us and a couple other guys I won't get into. Give me a call back on an outside line. One, one two, three. And here, here we go, Jim. Here we go. Parkins and Spiegel Show, afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. It's a masterpiece. There's really nothing else to say. It is some of his finest work. He is Chris Tannehill. He was made to make that open. Yeah, I think so. I think that was just spoon-fed directly into the audio machine. Audio machine. And Tanny churned it out. So... I'm going to I know on the front end that I make fun of Bernstein for reading on the air and I'm about to read some stuff on the air. Ooh, is this a uh, uh it, 
Is, is, is it's this not a, Joshi. It's not a Joshi newsletter? This from Stonecutter. <laughs> right. I There's realize forensic accounting research that needs to be done. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he got really excited about yeah. that from Josh Lucas. Is this a Greg Doyle column on Steve it, Alford? Is that what not. this is? No. No, it's none of those things. And I also <laughs> know that I love that Mike Francesa clip uh-huh. of him just shouting numbers into the ether because it's impossible to explain. 1734. 112, 129, 101, 126, 148, 116, 152, 117, 103. <laughs> okay. That's you. That's a great pre-sell by you. I'm looking can, forward to this. Can I, can I, I want those two caveats out of the way that I know this goes against a couple of things that I often make fun of, and I also know that it's the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Yeah, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to relax, and I'm going to decompose for a little while. Okay, you decompose. Okay. I just thought that this thread and this data was so worthwhile to the conversation that we have about what Ryan Poles' decision is, drafting a quarterback at one, the hit rate. People say, well, you could, they get it wrong so often at quarterback. There's, it's, it, he could bust. Yeah, there's, okay. there's lots of stuff out there how the first quarterback in the draft is very often not the best quarterback in that draft. That's the one I'm seeing a lot with some good evidence to back that one up. So here is Dave Klug from uh, at Football Guys on, on Twitter. I, he said, I poured over the last 30 years of first-round quarterback data and found out that drafting at number one overall gives teams overwhelmingly better odds at finding success for their franchise. My gut told me all top 10 pick quarterbacks would work out the same, but the data painted a very different picture. Quote, success, end quote, is an arbitrary term and can have a lot of different definitions, so I chose five benchmarks that could indicate success. A 4,000-plus yard passing season, a 30-plus touchdown season, 80-plus career starts, winning a playoff game, and making a Pro Bowl. How do you feel about those as benchmarks for success? 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, making a Pro Bowl. Winning a playoff game, making 80 starts or more in a career. Yeah, that's, I mean, so if all of those, he's it's, not going to do all a, of them, he's going to do each one, right? He, at any of them. Accomplish, okay. Accomplishing any of them. But I, mean, so, the, I, th- I think it's good. I think you gotta you got to start somewhere, so I'm not going to rip on it too much. I, this is where I do point out that Mitch Trubisky went to the Pro Bowl. Just pointing com- that out. Correct, but never had a 4,000-yard season, never had 30 touchdowns, never won a playoff game, never made close to 80 starts. Yes. So, right, like, if just one of those things, of course it can be an outlier, but the idea is, you know, your your chances at hitting in these directions. I'm fine with those as the choices. I think 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 they're – I agree. I think they're fine choices. Uh, Quarterbacks drafted number one overall, there have been 20 of them, in the last 30 years hit those benchmarks, he says, at an astonishing rate. Of those number one overall picks, 70% have had a 4,000-yard passing season. That was, that's a huge number to me. Yeah, it is. That's huge because 4,000 is a, is a big deal. Throwing for 30 or more touchdowns, 45%. Making 80 starts or more, 81%. Winning a playoff game, 70%. Making a Pro Bowl, 70%. Bryce Young, Jamarcus Russell, David Carr and Tim Couch are the only busts by these standards. Obviously, Bryce Young just one year into his NFL career. So Jamarcus Russell, David Carr, and Tim Couch would be the busts who hit none of the five. So that includes, like, Jameis Winston. Um, oh, yeah. Right, includes some. I mean, because, yeah. I, mean, I mean, so so then he goes to the next one. I mean, 
So you get you give Jameis Winston. And let, me, let me pause for a second and go back. Jameis Winston has done all five of them, by the way. Right, but but like uh, the highest that high percentage of eighty starts is is interesting. It's compelling because I want to say that means like there's longevity for those guys in general. Of course, they are getting a lot of chances, but eighty starts is a lot of starts, man. Wow. Yeah, well, th- 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 that's why it was a benchmark of success. If you're mm-hmm. good enough to start eighty games, you've got to be pretty damn good. You get, you, you know, yep. get you get a second contract. A team believes in you. You've shown enough promise and all of that. So again, buy, so to to pick up the thread, and this is says as you can see in this chart, which you can't on the radio, but eight of the sixteen eligible quarterbacks hit every one of those marks. While Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, and Kyler Murray are still too early in their careers to have done so, they will likely join the others within the next few years. So eight of the 16 quarterbacks have hit all five of those benchmarks. Burrow, Lawrence, and Kyler are on the way. Though the eight guys who have done all uh, five of the benchmarks, and again, that's 4,000-yard season, 30 touchdowns, 80 games started, win a playoff game, make a Pro Bowl, number one picks in the last 30 years at quarterback. It is Jared Goff, Jameis Winston, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, Matt Stafford, Eli Manning, Carson Palmer, and Peyton Manning. So those are the eight that have hit all five of the benchmarks that Dave put out with Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, and Kyler Murray likely to get there sooner or later. He Hmm. says, looking at quarterbacks drafted 2 through 32. So in the last 30 years, quarterbacks drafted anywhere else in the first round, there have been 63 total. He says the hit rates plummet. Chance at a 4,000-yard season, 25%. And this is a bigger sample, obviously. But obviously still first-round picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 25%, 4,000-yard season. 30-plus touchdowns, 24%. 80-plus starts, 35%. Win a playoff game, 38%. Make a Pro Bowl, 33%. He says only Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Dante Culpepper checked all the boxes. And he says you'd think that trimming down to top 10 and top 5 picks would help, but it doesn't. And then he gives the numbers of picks 2 through 10 and 2 through 5. And just just... Just do two through five. So a top five pick at quarterback that isn't number one overall. 26% had a 4,000-yard season. 22% had a 30-touchdown season. 39% made 80 or more starts. 35% won a playoff game. And 43% made the Pro Bowl. That's good work. That's good work. That's good research. Um, That's pretty interesting. I like that he went through the whole first round and then trimmed it down to 10 and 5. I think having a consensus that my, so my takeaway from that is this this position that's so incredibly difficult to pick and is full of failure all over the draft when it is a no doubt consensus number 1 overall your chances are better because more minds have have gotten there than just yours, Mr. Ryan Pace. Well, you can worry thing. about groupthink in that, obviously, and there are obviously busts at number one overall at quarterback. He mentions a couple, right? Tim Couch, Jamarcus Russell, we, we, David Carr. There obviously are. It, it is not without risk, but all of this has risk, right? I mean, the Jets acquired Aaron Rodgers, a four-time league MVP, Ruptures his Achilles, is a distraction, 40 years old. They're, they're one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Risk. 
there was risk for Tampa acquiring Brady. Ended up paying off. But there's risk with all of these guys. It's football. Any, anything can happen. We, we talked about it yesterday. Jalen Hurts was hit his 50 million plus per year contract hasn't even kicked in yet now people are debating if the guy's good Mm -hmm. and he might be getting a coach fired one year after putting up 35 points in a super bowl so there's risk in there's risk in keeping fields there's risk in drafting caleb williams but it does seem like the least risky way to acquire a quarterback that you would label a franchise guy is drafting him number one overall. And then it presumably, to your point, gets even less risky the higher the degree of the prospect themselves, right? Like, Jameis Winston checked all five of those boxes. No one would say he solved Tampa's issues at quarterback. Right. But no one would say that Jameis Winston is close to the caliber of prospect as Caleb Williams. I mean, it's almost always a quarterback at number one now. I, you know, it, it doesn't mean that it's the same level of prospect. Correct. Each, each each time. I mean, other than Miles Garrett and, you know, the occasional, was it was it Lane Johnson who was kind of the default number one as a tackle? Do, do I have that right? Or was Eric it Fisher. Eric Fisher? That's right. Same year. Same year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Fisher, Lane Johnson, and Luke Jokel were yeah. the three tackles who went in the top four. Right. So with Deion De- Jordan but, uh, as the DN. Yeah. But it's almost always uh, always a quarterback now. But no, I, I think that's I think that's valuable stuff. I, I think. Uh, Look, it, I, 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 at this point, I really do believe it's going to happen unless they find something that troubles them on the personal side and the scouting side. And Josh Lucas was really good in talking about that today on, um, on Burnsy and Holmes with Layla sitting in. But, you know, it, it, what, what's interesting is that it, it, it's sort of it's kind of getting forgotten maybe to some in the conversation all they got to do is pick the guy. They don't have to trade up. Like the whole idea of having the two ones as the safety blanket or the safety valve or security blanket is more really what I'm trying to say. What they, did you call it? <laughs> safety blanket. It's okay. I think you said caveats earlier. We all say the open mouth say things. It happens in the world. But the, uh, it, the whole idea of having the two ones as the security blanket in a, in a just and prove it year was that maybe they could trade up. Now they don't. They don't even have to do that. No, it's one pick for one guy. All they got to do is just sit there and take the guy. It's 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 incredibly obvious and easy to a lot of people who are not attached to it. Frankly, emotionally. Yes, exactly. And I get why it is difficult for those that are attached to it. You bought his jersey. You rooted for him. He's exciting. He's good. He's going to go somewhere else and start. Mm -hmm. He improved. And it does feel a little unfair. Like, oh, my God. They drafted this likable kid who's crazy talented and has persevered through Matt Nagy and Luke Getze and uh, a dead cap season in a a teardown where they were tanking intentionally uh, and Matt Eberflus and distraction and only having one good wide receiver and he's still – was impressive and made incredible plays, and now they're going to get rid of him for a guy who could bust? It doesn't seem fair. Like I, I get why Bears fans have some attachment to fields and some fear of Caleb swinging and missing. It's, it's but not, if you it's, detach yourself from the, the sentiments to Justin, I do think it's pretty straightforward. It's not fair 
Let's go ahead and say it. It is not fair. It is the nature of a complicated business where you have to make a decision after year three or year four if you really wanted to wait. And the salary cap ramifications are so massive. And they happen to be sitting on the number one pick. And, oh, by the way, the timeline was all screwed up because of, of Bears' structure. And Matt Nagy threw him out there to get sacked nine times against Cleveland. I mean, it's, it's not fair. I, I, I can thoroughly acknowledge it, but it is the reality of this of the the situation. I, you know, there was a moment when we talked about it. God, I don't know, man, maybe months ago, and I think you had not you had not fully gotten to the out on Justin place. But you said, man, sometimes you just run out of time, and that has like kind of kept rolling through my head. And we have these conversations sometimes because that's what feels like. Like it's like it's happened because they have the number one pick. He's, well, and, he's run and, out well, of time. That, that, that's the thing. Like, so if that was a few months ago when I said that, now they've got the one. That's what makes it a no-brainer. They don't. That only got locked in what week seventeen, where it was actually like fully locked in with two weeks to go in the mm-hmm. season. That they that they had it. So that was the other thing. Like it was it was that's a huge variable here, in in how this was going to end up. Carolina had five. Like, I made this point on the show Sunday morning, the Parkins playoff show that I'm doing through through the NFL playoffs, like, after C.J. Stroud had the crazy game that he had last Saturday. Like, Ryan Poles said that he doesn't think that he misevaluated Stroud because the Bears are in a better position having D.J. Moore, Darnell Wright, Tyreek Stevenson, and the, the number one pick uh, and the future two from Carolina. And I get the argument that he's making. Because if Ryan Poles called up Houston today and said, hey, I'll trade you DJ Moore, Tyreek Stevenson, Darnell Wright, the number one pick, and next year's two for C.J. Stroud, Houston would think about it. They'd think about it. Because that's an incredible amount of assets, and it's the rights to draft Caleb Williams. But they would say no, because they have C.J. Stroud. They have the guy. Mm. They'd say no, but they'd think about it. But if Carolina if Carolina, Carolina, Carolina would do it. Carolina would do, but I'm saying Houston. I'm saying I know, Houston. I know. But it, but if you if they if if Carolina would have won a few of those three point games, including one of them, which was to the Bears, by the way, and instead of that pick being the number one pick, it was the sixth pick, and Ryan Poles called Houston and said, "Ah, my bad, I messed up on Stroud. Uh, I'll give you the sixth overall pick. Carolina's two next year. Tyreek Stevenson, Darnell Wright, and DJ Moore. Houston would laugh them off the phone." They'd hang up. They won't even think about it. So Poles got lucky that he missed on Stroud, and then Carolina gifted him the number one overall pick. If they gifted him the seventh overall pick, we would be wondering what their path was to getting a franchise quarterback. But they got it landed in their lap. Yeah. Well, what we'd be doing in his lap. What what we'd be doing if they had seven and nine? Yeah. It's interesting because what we'd be doing is figuring: okay, what wide receiver and what edge rusher? Is there or and, tackle uh, or or tackle or tackle? Although we might, we'd still have the same kind of Braxton Jones conversation. So I'd still lean wide receiver and edge rusher, and we'd be like, all right, and who's the right offensive coordinator? Too bad it's four and four in in three years, but you know, three and four, three years, and four years, I should say, for Justin Fields. But let's find the right fit for him, 
And we'd be considering the Greg Romans of the world. We'd be having that conversation and trying to help Justin Fields get right before they have to make the decision. The reason I would think that left tackle would be back as a viable viable option in the top ten is because if you were sticking with Fields, you would know that you would need to do every like you would want to have your Trent Williams if you could find him. You know, you you would need you wouldn't want to have replacement level left tackle. You'd want excellent because you would be, know that you needed more to to prop up your quarterback. It would it would be there and it's just now it doesn't have to be that way and you have the cleanest possible path to getting it right at quarterback it's not a guarantee there's still a million ways it could go wrong but there's the fewest ways it could go wrong compared to all the other paths uh that you could go down and one more stretch of numbers that I'll that I'll throw at you here a lot of people. Can we have Mike Francesa read him? Is that, is that 112, 129, yeah. 101, 126, 148, 116, 152, 117, 103. You know what's amazing is that actually is the stretch of numbers that Danny was going to read. It's exactly it's incredible. Right. It's incredible. The, the, the happenstance of him getting that right. So decompose a little bit. <laughs> Just a De- little. Got to do it a little bit. I, I don't think I decomposed so far during this segment, though. Go ahead. Um. If you want to build with Justin, I feel like I am comfortable in saying that everybody says trade down and still draft Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Would you agree that that is the most popular build around Justin plan? Yes. Like, like trade down, but but get the surefire wide receiver, right? Sure, trade down to four or something. Because I think that the fact that – is it Arizona that's three or Arizona that's four? Arizona's three, it, yeah. Uh, no, I thought Arizona's oh, no. four. Oh, right, yeah. It, it's, it's Because it's quarterback, it's, it's Washington, quarterback. New England. Yeah, it's yeah, Washington, Washington, New England. There's yeah. no way to know. Yeah, no, you'd have Washington. to yeah, – it, it, but you – because Arizona's going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. and just, you know, enjoy, enjoy the next Larry Fitzgerald for the next decade. Probably, but the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, maybe Justin Jefferson – he was the 22nd pick in the draft. All of the wide receivers who are mm-hmm. dominating and still, you know, in, in these play like C.D. Lamb, just eliminated. He was the 17th pick in the draft. Puka Nakua, 177. Cooper Cup, 69. Romeo Dobbs, 132nd pick. Chris, Christian Watson, 34th. Debo, 36th. Brandon Ayuk, 25th. Amon Ross St. Brown, 112. Tank Dell, 69th pick. Nico Collins, 89th pick. Zay Flowers, 22nd pick. Hey, man, you're preaching to the choir here. I, I said that about about Marvin, uh, you know, when we were talking about him during the college football season. He's unbelievable. He's clearly amazing. But they, there are so many great wide receivers, and every year there seems to be an incredible class. I and mean, we were talking about Atlanta earlier. Drake London is as good as any young wide receiver in the NFL. Just nobody talks about him because he's playing there for inferior quarterbacks. There, there are great guys everywhere. And if you have C.J. Stroud... He takes Tank Dell, the 69th pick, and Nico Collins, the 89th pick, and he puts up 45 points. And I know Tank Dell didn't even play in the game Mm -hmm. against the number one pass defense in the NFL. So, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be good in the NFL. Maybe he'll even be great. But if you draft him at four, that is – it's happened before. You know, Mari Cooper was four. I think Julio was six. Uh, Keyshawn, obviously, was number one, but that was in 1996. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you are – in terms of asset allocation for a position, you are bucking a serious trend by doing that as opposed to taking a quarterback at one and banking on him being great. I think I just think it's the obvious, obvious move. 
on the chessboard. And by the way, every quarterback left in the playoffs is a first-round pick except for Brock Purdy. Jared Goff, first overall. Baker, first overall. C.J. Stroud, two. Josh Allen, seven. Mahomes, 10. Jordan Love, 26. Lamar, 32. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Pretty well, crazy. It, it is pretty amazing. I mean, Baker Mayfield, anybody could have had. It's a $2 million deal. It's no, amazing. I know. I'm just saying in terms of, like, the, the pedigree of the player when they came Yeah, out. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just, just fairly remarkable. Some big-time analysts on the station, uh, one on the station today and others making the rounds on Caleb Williams we'll get to, and then uh, an all-timer from one of our friends at the station that we'll end the show with. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.